Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are going to talk about the 2000 film, The Emperor's New Groove. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a six-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey. I am the mom of an adult, a 10-year-old, and a 4-year-old. The boys liked this one. Mm-hmm. So I think we should preface our, our episode with this movie has a storied origin. Um, it's <laughs> It started off as something completely different. We'll touch on that, but there are far more in-depth places that you can find information about the whole shit show that led to what this movie is. Yeah, we'll, we'll go into some of the history, but we'll link the long-form articles, specifically the Vulture one, mm-hmm. that most of my research came from yeah. in the show notes, because, y'all, this is a ride. <laughs> So this movie, actually, as it is, has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 70% on Metacritic, which I think is pretty good considering. Um, It was Disney's 40th animated feature, which is like, I feel like Disney probably wanted something better for that. (laughs) (laughs) It grossed $10 million on its opening weekend, and it came in fourth place behind What Women Want, Dude Where's My Car, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It was it's also, also di- worth noting that they had re-released uh, 102 Dalmatians, the live-action one with Glenn yeah. Close, three weeks before. So, <laughs> as usual, Disney was competing against itself yeah. with film that it didn't really like, and so they didn't try very hard. So it ended up with a combined box office just under $170 million, which is the lowest box office earnings for an animated Disney feature film since 1980s. <laughs> and when we say since 1980s, what we really mean is since the Black Cauldron. Yeah, yeah. Y'all. Yeah. And this movie predates the Best Animated Feature Film Award yeah. at the Academy Awards. But it by wouldn't one year. have been nominated no. because it wouldn't have been nominated. The art in this movie was, like much else, kind of left till the last minute, frankly. I have to say that this movie, like you just said that your boys really like this movie. This movie is a fan favorite in my house. It is literally my husband's favorite Disney movie. Um, My husband and my son could just watch this movie nonstop and they would be laughing their asses off the entire time, even though they just watched it five times in a row. So the slapstick elements of it, which are not typical to Disney. Mm Mm-hmm really do make this movie like i'm oh like i understand that this movie did not start off what it was i understand that like problematic as far as the culture it represents (laughs) but in the end i think this movie deserves more credit than it gets so here's the thing i was really thinking about this as i was doing my rewatch this morning Would I have been happier with the cultural elements of Kingdom of the Sun? And I gotta say, no. No, I 
don't think that I would have. The reality of it is, is because this is so farcical, I can almost excuse their bad cultural right. mishandling, right? It, because it bears no actual resemblance yeah. to what... But had it end up as Kingdom of the Sun, I feel like I would have looked at it the same way I do as, say, Brother Bear. Like, nice try, Disney, but mm-hmm. man, did you fuck that one up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, sorry, I was just trying to think of what that, mo- oh, so I, I feel like, so there's this movie, um, oh, what's it about? It's like, it's a cartoon movie and it's about like Moses or something. I've never seen it, but Prince it's like Egypt. super, yes, people love it. Super highly regarded because it's like, uh, I guess like a well, like, okay. Storied movie. Okay. I don't know. I've never seen it. We should probably talk about it sometime. We'll we'll have to add that one to the list. Yes. As I'm reading about what this movie should have been, I can't get that movie out of my head. Because, like, it, I, in my, I, like I said, I haven't seen it. But, like. No, but I think that's an accurate analysis. My assumption about the movie Mm -hmm. is that it is played for the serious side of the story. So in the end, do we really think that if that was the the way that they had gone with this, do you think it would have done any better? No, and I think it would <laughs> have done so. much worse, to be I honest. I, I really, I really do. Like, because you can see, if you know what you're looking for, you can kind of see the bones of the original film mm-hmm. in the architecture. And I look at it and I go... Oh, this would have been really bad. Really mm-hmm. bad. I'm almost certain I would have been offended. But yeah. this is this is David Spade and Patrick Warburton at their absolute yes. best. Mm-hmm. And so I can't be offended because it's already so goddamn ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. They didn't try <laughs> they didn't try to make anything realistic in any kind of way with this movie i mean even to the point where like you're talking about like the incan culture right this is this inca or is it maya Maya. okay so you figure everybody for the most part is like has a dark complexion dark hair or whatever um in real life tom jones has dark hair yet the character that they the little cartoon tom jones doesn't have dark hair why not why not? And that's the thing that I always come back to. I'm like, they just, it was just a ridiculous movie. And they didn't even make Tom Jones have dark hair for reasons no. I don't know. No, <laughs> not one single South American or even Hispanic actor, just so we're being yes. clear mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> right. But it, early 2000s, I don't have this expectation of Disney from this time period. Mm-hmm. And it's films like this that I think. I often come back to the idea that if it weren't for films like this and Pocahontas and Mm -hmm. Mulan, that we would not actually be getting things like Moana now. Yeah, I agree. I think we've talked about that before, too, where Disney had to make these mistakes to get to a point where it would start being or trying to be as 
um, aware of culture as it is now. So, yes, I'm not I'm not going to be offended at what this movie wasn't because <laughs> because what it was like, really, just the story is mm, OK, right? Yeah, I mean, the story is. Yeah. But the characterization the and yeah. the slapstick. Yep. And hell, even that map thing at the I end. I love it. Like, oh my god. It's By all so accounts, it amazing. doesn't make sense. <laughs> and they don't ever explain it. So, like, that's. I will also say that as we continue to talk about things in this movie, literally daily, this movie is quoted in my house in some capacity to the, like, I think when I first started dating my husband, I had never seen this movie. It came out in 2000, so like my senior year of high school going into college. And my husband was already obsessed with it. So like he he would, I met him in 2004. And this is just part of his life, quoting this movie. <laughs> so like it's become part of our, like our family. <laughs> it's like our family. Like that by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. And my husband does a really good Patrick Warburton impression, so like that, you know, helps. But yeah, I, I, I there's so many things from this movie that get quoted in my house. Well, and and there's there's some really good lines. <laughs> yeah. So where they, I think, failed with like. Hercules and stuff mm -hmm. is that they tried too hard to be yeah. funny. And and they hired a good cast with that one. But it just it just came off as too try hard. Yeah. This here really It feels natural. So good. It just I nails that comedic bit like the timing. It's all about timing yeah. in comedy always. And this is perfectly well timed mm -hmm. yeah i wonder if there was any room for improv with this and i always i like that's one of those things i want to get more i want to know more about animation like how much room do they actually have when they're recording the dialogue for films to like play off of it because you figure you put somebody like david spade into a movie you've got to expect or like best example robin williams is the genie you're not going to plop him down in a room and ask him to read a script verbatim, right? So there's got to be some amount of room for flexibility there. So my basic understanding of how Disney sequenced the animation, at least at this time, is that they did all of the storyboarding first. Mm -hmm. The producers signed off on that. Then they hired the cast, and then they started table reads. So there would have been space in there mm -hmm. for... So did they actually table read, though? Because you read, like, you hear so many times when casts finally come together for, like, premieres and stuff, that that's the first time they're that ever That that's the first other. time that they met? Yeah. So... Disney, especially in these days, siloed everybody, mm -hmm. which was very strange. So when they did a table read, they probably just had producers and mm -hmm. 
art staff in their reading characters with the one actor that they were right like sequentially none of this actually makes working operational sense just so we're being clear here like and 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 we're guessing to an extent but it's pretty well educated guesses at this stage Mm -hmm. we've spent sarah and i have spent a long time learning about the ins and outs of Disney history and <laughs> filmmaking at this point for you. We did this for you. <laughs> no, I, I do it because like I can't I can't figure out how they've been so successful when they do things in such a ass backwards way constantly. Right. I love that this movie opens with the how did I get here? trope and I, I don't know if that's the right word for it like the same way that uh thor ragnarok opens. right <laughs> i don't know what that's called but i love it <laughs> well and i like the way that they broke the fourth wall in mm-hmm. this movie several times yeah. where he was you know no not not him mm-hmm. this movie is about me the llama yeah. Right? Like, that was that was a good sequence. And I think that it just gives it a little bit of extra character. I think, too, with the way this movie opens, you kind of already expect going in that you're going to get more of this comedic result. Because Disney, when it's trying to be serious about things, will give you a... Um, oh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Um, not context (laughs) they like to give you like an information dump in the beginning of the movie to show why you know how the story got to where it is but not in this way more of like the once upon a time and you know you have the like the land was doing this and (laughs) yeah yeah this and I, I kind of feel like they did it deliberately because within the first five minutes, you've got the, this is the woe is me story. And now here is our musical number with mm-hmm. Tom Jones. Like. like yeah. And Tom Jones. Uh, it's, it's so good. It's so it's good. It's so good. I, <laughs> I want to be, so I want to not love it or be mad <laughs> at it or something. And I, I cannot. I I cannot. It's just, it's amazing. It is. Do we want to touch anyone in the cast here? Yeah. um, We've already kind of talked about Patrick Warburton. Um, I think he does an awesome job here, but is essentially playing the character he always plays, the big dumb guy. He does it so well. He does. He does. Such panache. Um, Patrick Warburton in real life is a huge Pearl Jam fan, in case you were curious. He's like a room in his house dedicated to Pearl Jam. What I do know about him (laughs) is that he is relatively not in paparazzi view. He's been married forever. He's got some kids. And he does a lot of really great, really great voice acting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then Wendy Malick plays the mom, Chicha. She is from Buffalo, in case you were curious. So we're very so, proud of her so around you're very these parts. Proud of her. Okay. <laughs> David Spade. I don't like David Spade. I like actively avoid David Spade movies because I just am, I just don't like him. I don't like his style of like being. I don't know, <laughs> and I don't I don't care for his humor because it doesn't. Yeah. It, so it, I think that's why I hadn't seen this movie until my husband was like, "This is the best movie," and I was like, mm, "The David Spade." <laughs> so yeah, David Spade did just shoot me which apparently i have some memory of being funny although i cannot verify it with any sense of accuracy <laughs> he, he was in it with wendy Malik. it's the one about a fashion magazine and their photographers and oh, there's okay. a female protagonist yeah. <laughs> yeah he's just i don't know his humor has never really done it for me no so, me neither so i think that's I, why i avoided it and I feel like there's, while well, I've not been able to find it, I have some sense of some... No, I don't know. And But I think that's why it person. works here, because Cusco uh-huh. is, like, odious. <laughs> yes. He's a jackass, and he's yeah. meant to be, and... Right. David does him well. So just like I think when we when we wa- when we talked about Sing, we talked about how Seth MacFarlane's character in that is kind of a jerk, and we're okay with it because neither of us really like Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> right, like it's great. He's <laughs> fine. It's okay. Um, so and then uh, John Goodman was also more or less playing every John Goodman character yep. that he played. Yep. But that also works well here as a comic foil. And then Eartha Kit is Yzma, which, like, she's is great. Amazing. It's she's amazing. so great. <laughs> yes. Um, I almost named our cats Kronk and Yzma. It was, like, before we got them, but we knew we were getting them, so we knew it was going to be a boy and a girl. And I really lobbied hard for Kronk and Yzma, and I lost. But in the end, if we had gotten them, their personalities are like spot on for Kronk and Yzma. So, so what did who won? <sighs> My son. With 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 what? What did Mars and Luna? Oh right. Which is funny because he's got that little boy like speech impediment where he says Luna, still. <laughs> but whatever, he picked it. Um, but like their personalities would have been perfect for Kronk and Yzma because like. <laughs> The girl cat is, like, so, like, calculating. And then the boy cat is just so big and dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still bitter about it, apparently. Apparently. (laughs) Oh, well. One good piece of filmmaking here, I thought, was Chicha was a damn good parent. She was so good. She was a badass mom. That whole scene where While fat and pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) And lives on the top of a mountain. Right. (laughs) But, like, when uh, Yzma's in the house and they're, like, getting her out, it's it's such a good scene. I love that whole, like, how that whole thing plays out. Uh Yeah, again, slapstick, the just twisty bits of humor Mm -hmm. in this movie really really do the whole bit with the doorknob like it's Mm -hmm. amazing and the way the kids down the head it's all perfect yep Mm -hmm. um 
I also enjoyed the roller coaster into the secret lab. Oh, I love it. Why do we even have that lever? <laughs> why do we even have that lever? The why poison. do they even have, why does she even have that lever? <laughs> the poison for Cusco, Cusco's poison. Yeah. I am so upset that I missed it, but one of these, like, there's like purse designers, whatever, that like work with Disney and will make like figural purses. And one of the ones that they released was Cusco's Poison. And it's just like the little poison bottle with the llama on it and the fold-down piece. I wish I had gotten it. And then, like, all the different poisons she has. And when they're throwing them at them. And then the henchmen are following them in there. With the the animal henchmen (laughs) at this stage of the game. Like, man, they really... They did all of that so perfectly well. It was yeah. just so ludicrous as to be perfect. Magic. I would say if, if you have avoided this film for whatever reason, please give it a try because it it is a hilarious film. Look, if for no other reason than to hear Patrick Warburton speak squirrel. <laughs> That is one of those lines that comes up in our house all the time. When you don't understand somebody, like, you're like somebody says something and you're like, I didn't catch that. Squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeakins. <laughs> we say it all the time in the house. <laughs> it really. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. He's fluent in it. So there is like a spinoff TV show. Uh-huh. like cartoon and I'm pretty sure like one of I, I've maybe caught like a minute of it here or there at one point but I think one of the main like plot lines in it is that uh, Kronk is like a teacher of like a troop of kids so like that whole part where he's like the scout leader at the end it like plays uh-huh. off of that because I think it's like it's the emperor's new school is the name of the show. That sounds vaguely yeah. familiar. <laughs> I don't know why Disney chose to go that route with this movie. That would have been a good thing to look into for this podcast. <laughs> I, I'll i answer it, though. Because they felt like it, and it sounded good at the time. I mean, really, that's how Disney, especially at this stage of the game, with Eisner at the helm, this yeah. is how they were making decisions. And I do think that, like, pretty often at this point, um, Disney was either making direct-to-video um, sequels or TV shows, kind of what we talked about in Atlantis, where they had already begun work on uh-huh. the sequel and then or the TV show or whatever and scrapped it. Well, I know that Treasure Planet also had a scrapped sequel. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. It seems they, like that was just part of their production process. Uh, they're oh, going yeah. to have an additional We're going to from... have an RTV, so mm-hmm. we're just going to start on that while we're doing it, and then we'll pull it if it doesn't go right. But that was really very detrimental to the production yeah, staff. I agree. So, now we get to get into it a little bit. Fun stuff. What you're here for. The original movie 
was titled Kingdom of the Sun. I've mentioned that. It was directed by Roger Allers, who was responsible for The Lion King. And because I have a particular grudge against this short, the uh, Little Match Girl. Because oh, so depressing. Because it's so fucking depressing. It's so depressing. Um, we we've talked about this a few times how we want to go back and do the shorts, but well, yeah, because because of that one, yeah. it is so like it's traumatizing for children. And I would so, say that one, and then um, what's the one about the guy who um digs the hole through the mountain? I can't think of what it is. I can hear the song in my head. Anyways. There's like two shorts that I can't not think of frequently, and it's Little Match Girl and that one that I was just talking about. But the yeah, Little Match it, Girl is—I have to skip it when it comes up. Oh like, yeah, it point... occupies space in my head rent-free, <laughs> yeah. so that I can just randomly burst into tears. It's like... so sad, it's, and it's like it's not an original to Disney story, right? No, it's of like course not, story. not in any way. But but it's just. <laughs> was like really into the disney shorts and we used to have to watch all those collections like on repeat on repeat we've gone through most of them ourselves i don't think that one i think it goes like over their head no i i feel (laughs) like they they run off into the other room and do something while that one's on you know and and that one's isn't that one in the collection right after lorenzo the cat who cuts his tail off with a knife so like we're we're really yeah yeah, we're dark. we're leading in with some it's great dark. stuff anyhow. Alright. <laughs> so so I just thought I'd mention Roger Allers, the little match girl, but also Lion King. So he, it's not that his films couldn't have a sense of humor. It's just that he tended more towards the dark the serious. Side. Yes. <laughs> Kingdom of the Sun was supposed to be a Prince and the Popper story. So it was David Spade, but the Popper was supposed to be Owen Wilson. And he'd come in, he'd done reads, Sting was supposed to do the whole score. It was going to be big and Elton John epic, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that was... That was the feel he was going for. And that's not what happened. Obviously, that's not what (laughs) happened. So, one of the conditions for Sting's involvement was that his wife, Trudy Styler, who is a documentarian, be allowed to come in and film the process so that they could turn it into a documentary. Mm-hmm. That film is called The Sweatbox, which have you seen The Sweatbox? No, but I it at one point it like went viral on like Reddit or something like that within the last year. It is available on YouTube. In, yeah, you like, gotta look for it. Yeah. But I've seen it. I, I so it, it went viral on God, like 
some movie channel that I like movie review site that mm-hmm. I followed in the early teens mm-hmm. 2012 2013 and I'll be honest watching that movie for me was probably one of the things that kickstarted my loathing of Disney as a corporate entity yeah. yeah because it's so they they showed this movie at festival but Disney owns it and it is so embarrassing for them that they have never actively released it. Mm-hmm. It's not on Disney Plus. It's and even today they're fighting about that. Mm-hmm. Like this is this has come up as recently as January of this year. There was another suit in an attempt to get this movie released because well then maybe that's when it came up on like reddit or whatever that is possible within recent time that it happened so it starred all of the producers and actors and people we have talked about here and the story that it features (laughs) is how the original Kingdom of the Sun was shown at screen tests. And when they do screen tests at this level, it's like storyboards and guys standing around reading scripts as they exist at the time. It's not anything Mm -hmm. like you would imagine animation to be. But the producers hated it absolutely hated it and it's disney so it's it's about how much money the thing is gonna make always Mm -hmm. and they decided to bring in mark dindle who had worked on some other things was new to disney entirely so that's that's gotta be a kick in the head right Mm -hmm. here you are off of the lion king the most highly grossing animated picture of all time. You've spent four years on this project where you're gonna, you know, tell this great Incan story. And the producers would like you to kick up the slapstick a notch. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, that did not go over. Well, for Roger Allers, who eventually resigned from his own movie, he's not in the credits for anything other than story, and demoted himself to story supervisor, which is like several slots down the totem pole on Lilo and Stitch. Roger Allers is, I feel... Still pretty upset about what happened Mm -hmm. to his movie, Kingdom of the Sun. Meanwhile, Mark Dindal finished it up, but like we've seen in other films, once it's tainted in Disney's eyes, they kind of just... They give up on it. They give up on it. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting to me, especially when they pour so much money into it. That they would, because almost $200 million they put into the production of 
this movie and don't actively promote it. Push it out three weeks after another one of their own films mm-hmm. at a bad time of year. It's, I don't know. I don't, I will never understand why. And they still do it. Even with mm-hmm. different people at the helm. Like, after all these years, I continue to watch Disney and go, you're not, you haven't really fixed some of these right. production and staffing issues because I continue to hear stories like this. Yeah. And as of time of recording, it is worth noting that Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for, what is it, $20 million dollars. Because mm-hmm. part of her contract for Black Widow included theater ticket sales, as it does when. Mm-hmm. And Disney clapped back on Twitter about how she should be grateful for what she's made. For the exposure. <laughs> for the exposure! She's you know, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson! She doesn't need your goddamn exposure. And you know, you that if that had been Chris yeah. or if it had been Iron choose your Man Chris. yeah choose Chris. your Chris choose choose your Robert Downey Jr. they would yeah. never have treated any of them that way right it seems like too last I read before we started today Emma Stone is also going to pursue them for a similar situation Good. for Cruella I, you know, I understand that Disney was in a bit of a bind because it was the Panini Press and they needed to get some shit out so people were buying Disney Plus since they mm-hmm. weren't going anyplace else. I mean, and I do, I kind of, I get that, but you don't don't renegotiate contracts after they've already been signed and that is the essence of what they have done here and then they turn around and blame it on the actors which is Mm -hmm. completely unfair to the actors and again we come back to over and over disney has a history of this they do so that's kind of where we leave this one because the ultimate gains on this movie were a hundred and something. I just under one hundred and seventy thousand. Thank you. So it's a write down. It's not a huge one. Oh no 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 wait! This one had a budget of a hundred million. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the um, <clears throat> the gross. Yeah, no, no, but I had said it had a budget of two hundred million. It was actually mm-hmm. only a budget of a hundred million, so they made some money, but not enough. Not by not by Disney standards, mm-hmm. not by Disney's standards to go on and make rides and acknowledge it. They got a show, so I guess that's something. 
the Emperor's New School. Three seasons of it. Uh, also, Kronk's New Groove. Because, I mean... <laughs> well, he is the star of this movie. Uh, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> David Spade was great and all, but... Squeak, this movie without Kronk is... He's Only 75% is funny. No, it's got even less than that. I'll give it... He is a good 40% of the hilarity of this movie, he of a cast absolutely of... stole every single scene <laughs> that he was in, like... Which is amazing, because he's not even in it. He's a voice actor. Like, mm-hmm. that, that takes actual, real skill. And yet, it happened here. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, one final note is that Sting was pissed about the ending. And so instead of relocating, what what the hell did they call the Cusco land? What the hell was that called? Oh, I, I yeah. His theme park. His theme His park. water park. They had initially ended it with his water park taking out some swampland or something. Mm-hmm. And Sting got mad because, I mean, Sting does have something, just a little bit of a history with the conservationist or fear. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. oh, that totally makes sense. I very quickly was skimming through that and I was like what and I didn't really process it but that makes so much sense now that you said that so 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 Sting got mad and again with the Disney sausage that we don't get all of my guess is he threatened to sue them for his song material Mm -hmm. if they didn't change the ending because that's the only way that Disney actually plays ball is you gotta threaten them with money so, so I think that is likely to have been what happened there is that he threatened to sue them so that they would change the ending to something a little more conservationist. Because mm-hmm. while it is absolutely, completely, and utterly ridiculous, the backbone of it does take place in a fairly pristine South American environment and can't really, I, I mean, I don't even disagree with Sting. Like, I'm not really down with Disney's fucking theme yeah. park stamp on it after, right. right? So, the full soundtrack features quite a few artists, um, that weren't really in the movie because they cut them out. But okay. it's fine. But it's fine. <laughs> they were written, so we recorded them, and it's fine. You should, you know, potentially go listen if, you know, you like Sting. Call it an extra Sting animated album. It's fine. <laughs> and that's... That's what I got for you. Ah, uh, Disney. 
<laughs> always, um, always a delight. As far as like the way Disney treats this movie now, um, that purse I was telling you about the um, the poison for Cusco um, is literally the only thing I can remember ever seeing that was officially branded Disney merchandise for this movie. It's just literally non-existent. Like, there's nothing about it in the theme parks. Um, I don't know. Let's check originally if they were in there in the theme parks at all. Quickly, I will go to Character Central, which is my best resource for it. And indeed he was, and he was a masked character. He was not a face character. Um, he, it looks like he appeared as both Human Cusco and Llama Cusco. Um, <coughs> but, oh, and Yzma. So it looks like they had Kronk, Yzma, and Cusco. They were all costumed characters at one point or another. But whether you can see them now... No, you can't. You can't see them all. They don't even get that weird. Sometimes they appear at Disneyland no. Paris. Because, like, for whatever reason. <laughs> well, and I think we've talked about this before, but the amount of money that they put in mm -hmm. to costume development to then say, yes. no, we're not going to use <laughs> no. you anymore. It's not worth yeah. our time for this. And, it's like... As it is, they're not even, like, you won't see them pop up at any of, like, the special events that Disney does because there's no, they don't apply to any of the special events. Like, there's no romantic interest here. You know, no. like, I, I don't know. No romantic interest. And it's, we've done these in sequence now, and we've thrown in some additional movies as we've gone through this season. Because the ultimate conclusion that we're forced to draw here is that Disney really doesn't like its boy characters. Yeah. It, it, it really, it makes them because it feels obligated to. Yeah. But the only time it actually embraces them is in a Flynn Rider situation. Right. Which isn't really about Flynn Rider, right? I mean, as much the movie, as they tried to change the marketing to make it about right, Flynn as Rider. much as they tried to make it about him, ultimately that movie is yeah. Rapunzel. Yeah. So you know, we've talked in the past about how we think it's silly that Disney, in recent years, has changed its marketing to a more gender neutral tone i suppose with like not naming movies um rapunzel and the ice queen and going for things like tangled and frozen instead but i guess now i understand why they've decided to do that because in going like truly for the boy demographic they are so terrible and they've never been successful they've never been successful at it and I continue to wonder if it's just because they suck at it or if there's something larger in that demographic that they're just not able to capture with animated film and it's not their fault. 
But ultimately, it's Disney, so I'm kind of defaulting back to they suck at it, right? It seems to me the common thread throughout all of these movies has been something has gone awry in production, and Disney has given up on the movie and not given it the time, effort, money, focus, whatever, that it gives the movies that do eventually become blockbusters for them. Right? Like, each one of these movies has suffered something, right? Something Uh has gone wrong in production with each of these movies. Either a major story change, or, you know, they've cut budget, or they've not marketed the movie. They production day, (laughs) They throw in a bunch of subtitles in a kid's movie. <laughs> you know, like, it's like they just don't know how to handle these movies and something always goes wrong in production. Well, and it does seem, even still, like, again, when it doesn't go right, that Disney higher-ups get resentful of it as an entity and, nah, man, I ain't fucking with that movie anymore. Yeah. Fuck it. No. We're done with it. Right. We're done with it. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Because when when they write it off, you can tell based on how much effort they put into mm-hmm. the award cycle, right? Like the the night and day difference between Moana, which I don't even think won the Oscar that year. I'm trying to remember what did, but it wasn't Moana. Um, it didn't. It definitely didn't win Best Song because that would have been Lin Manuel Miranda's EGOT. It went to La La Land instead. Um, the Best Animated Feature that year. Let's see. Zootopia won. Zootopia. Right. Which is Disney, so, too. But, <laughs> Disney, too. But still, they cared enough about this movie to put it through the award paces, right? Mm-hmm. Because it literally was nominated for and won dozens of awards. Mm-hmm. So they cared enough to put Zootopia up, too, right? Mm-hmm. When they care about the movie, they'll do yeah. the award legwork. When they have given up on it, they just kind of push it out the door, mm-hmm. say, here's some lunch money. Don't come back, kid. We're done with you. It's yeah, wild. pretty much. Yep. So this is not a blubberable no. of it in, in any way. Mm-mm. It's not intended to be. Unless I, I buddy comedies really get you. Right. I, I would wonder about Even I don't cry those. <laughs> Nothing, so, um, let's talk about age, because I know ours like it. It, it. It's, the slapstick of it is... Is there any, universal. there's not really any violence by slapstick no. in it. It's not like people hitting each other or whatever. No. No, how Tangled's more violent with that fucking frying pan. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> frying pan. You should know this is the strangest thing I have ever done. (laughs) I will. I do want to know, though, like, there is some weird misogyny in this film that that I think is worth highlighting. 
All of the older women have these funky, especially Yzma, obviously, the funky eyelashes. <laughs> okay. What the fuck was I only was noticed up with it those? in Yzma. The, uh, the, the waitress at the restaurant, who's also an too? old lady, also has the funky weird eyelashes. Okay. Chicha obviously does not, but, but... But I, so, specifically, when, in the final battle sequence, when Yzma pulls up her skirts for, and grabs the knife, Mm -hmm. there's that whole bit there where I'm like, are we, are we really making withered old pussy jokes in a kid's Mm -hmm. movie? Mm -hmm. Because, because I'm pretty sure that's what just happened there. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it, obviously it goes over kids' heads, though. Oh, obviously it goes over kids' heads. But, as always, I like to highlight these particular things, because <laughs> at least you won't be shocked when you see them. Really, I don't think you can remove them and not see some, but just be aware that that, one, that one's there. So my take on the eyelashes, because I just confirmed that you are correct, the waitress does have those same eyelashes as Yzma, is it's kind of like when it's trying to emphasize that these women are um, outdated, I guess. Like, it's like the equivalent to showing somebody in blue eyeshadow, which actually the waitress is also wearing blue eyeshadow. Right. Because that's that's like a very... That's a very, like, mod, like, twiggy eyelash. Sure, but isn't that just ageism? Sure. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's the difference between the Golden Girls and J-Lo in her 50s. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I, I have no, I have very few thoughts or actual commentary about this. <laughs> I just thought that I would highlight it. Just pointing it out. It's just there. Yeah. But it is going to go over the young kids' heads entirely. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. about that particular joke that a kid is going to get. Um, and that's the only thing that I really found questionable, personally. So, not me. Y'all know my threshold's not very <laughs> high, so. Um, no Halloween costumes. I mean, if you want to dress up as a llama, sure. Like, you could fabricate this costume for yourself, and it would be personally mm-hmm. per- perfectly fine for you to do so. But no Halloween costumes. Probably not even 2001 existed Doubt it. for this film. So, yeah. good luck with that. Well, and because it came out in December... By the time Halloween came around, this movie was... Oh, yeah. Non-existent. Totally non-existent. So, I have something I have to tell you, Sarah. Okay. I've had my executive assistant, Heather, going back through and listening to the episodes and doing the ratings. Yeah. And we've been terrible about ratings lately. Right, right. <laughs> so she's updating we have this spreadsheet so that we can look at it. But 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 Sarah has said on a number of occasions that she wants to know 
what she rated happy feet. Because she <laughs> needs to have this happy feet baseline comparison. Yeah. And I'm very, very distressed to tell you that we did not rate happy feet. Did She's we listen to that episode twice? Actively tell ourselves we weren't rating it? Uh, no, I, I, I think we just actively skip it because <laughs> we're, we're, we're so bad about sequence. Like, I keep going. I really like it if we were one of those podcasts where we could have, like, breaks and, like, music. <laughs> but we don't record in that way. And it is no. never fucking happening. Never, never, never. No. Never, no. never, never. So I'm just going to go forward <clears throat> and I'm going to make my Happy Feet rating a zero. Okay. And that way I don't have to skew anything. No, nothing has to be skewed ever again around (laughs) your happy feet rating. (laughs) Nothing ever again. I give this movie, though, a solid three and a half. You want to know how it could have been a four? How could it have been a four? If it was a musical. Of course. (laughs) If there was more Tom Jones? Yes. If Tom Jones had dark hair instead right. of blonde. Whatever. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think actually I have to generally agree with that assessment. This is about a three and a half for me. And it's largely on the basis of... It's a damn entertaining movie. It, it's an entertaining movie with not much story and not much substance, but it's got mm-hmm. some good jokes, and as a comic, I personally appreciate that. So, I'll certainly watch it when my kids watch it. It is absolutely a movie I would be okay with being the movie that gets played nonstop in my house. Well, and as we talk about repeatedly, that's ultimately our threshold here. Right. That's 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 what we're really judging. Mm-hmm. It's not it, it, it's not whether the movie is quality because clearly, mm-hmm. fuck my standards at this point in time. There are no good kids movies, none whatsoever. Yeah, they're all bad. Yeah. Let me tell sucks. you how they're all bad. <laughs> can I watch it over and over and over again? Yes. yes. This I one can. I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. Let's see. What's next? Who knows? Because even though we say it, sometimes I then edit the wrong episode and, and put it so, on. <laughs> so I guess you're just going to be as surprised as we are. How about it's, that? It's probably going to be another underrated Disney movie. Oh, we, we still have. we. we st- I'm looking at the list right now, y'all. <laughs> there are still a few more of these to get through in this of underrated Disney films. Which reminds Sorry. me, I don't... Do we even have Hercules on that list? Um... No, we did not put It should Hercules. definitely be on that I, list. I, I think we need to put Underrated, boy-led Disney movie. It As are the rest. So, <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, I, I'm looking at this and I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, they're all the boy movies. So... Mm-hmm. All right. And on that note, y'all know where to find us. 
We are at Latchkey Movies on Facebook and Instagram. Occasionally we post up there. Occasionally. But we do read messages and respond to emails. And you can do that at latchkeymovies at gmail.com. You can also phone it in at some point in time. Yell at us that way. We're happy for that. 402-885-4875. If you have enjoyed it and listened this far in on this episode, please do buy us some tacos. That is ko-fi.com slash briar. And we will catch y'all next time. Thanks for being here. See ya. Bye.